Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, your life connection to the information for a healthy body, an enlightened mind, and a renewed spirit. Hello. Start the show now? Yes. You can. Okay. Good morning, and welcome to the Blessings with Selene show. I'm so glad to have this opportunity to share with you some of the things that I have learned through my life experiences. And I do so with a humble heart and with my best intentions to be of help to anyone who's grieving the loss of a child or the loss of a loved one. As some of you probably know, I lost my oldest son, Christopher, to cancer when he was just eight years old. As a result of that experience, my life changed at every level. I divorced my husband five months after his death. I had two other children, ages seven and four, to take care of while I was in the midst of my deep grief. I had to make sure that they were feeling supported and loved no matter how I was feeling. So needless to say, those were very difficult years. And even though grief is something that never truly goes away, a time comes when a person feels that the hold grief has on them has loosened up. That time came for me at about five years after Christopher's death. I began to experience lesser periods of extreme crying and sobbing, lesser despair, and more of a peaceful grief. If you're listening now, you can probably relate to what I just shared with you. I want you to know that even after experiencing such a devastating loss, there is a light at the end. That light is that even when you're feeling at your most desperate, at your most alone, at your most overwhelmed, heartbroken, and abandoned, the truth is that you're not alone. There exist benevolent beings who were created with the sole purpose of helping you here on earth, and those beings are the angels. So one of the things that you can do if you're grieving is to remember to ask the angels to bring peace to your heart to help you make it day to day and to help you do what you need to do to just make it through each day. And know that they will put people around you to help you and they will guide you in life 
as you try to figure things out without your loved one. I will talk more about what you can do to tune in and to receive their messages later on in this show. Another thing that parents or anyone who has lost a loved one can do is to assimilate the fact that your loved one is still with you, only he or she is in a different form. He or she is in an ethereal form, and therefore you cannot see them or touch them. The veil between the seen and the unseen is much thinner than we imagine. The same way in which you can ask the angels to help you, you can also ask your loved one to come to you in your dreams or to give you a sign that you will be able to recognize as that is coming from them, to let you know that they're with you. Perhaps you will find yourself thinking sad thoughts of your loved one, and you look up to see his or her favorite bird fly right in front of you. That's a sign. Or maybe you'll be at the store on a day when you're particularly missing your child or your loved one, and his or her favorite song starts playing. That's a sign. It's very important that when you get the feeling that something is a sign for your lo- from your loved one, that you do not discount it. Trust your feelings because they are the way in which spirit and your loved one's spirit form communicate with you. And as human beings, we tend to deny those feelings. Don't do that because if you do so, you will be shutting yourself off from a beautiful opportunity of healing from you and from a beautiful opportunity of being able to keep a close connection with your child or with your loved one. I have always thought that we, the adults, can learn so much from our children. You know, we always think that we have to teach them this and we have to teach them that, but we need to be open to learning from them. So this is also true when we're grieving. You can help your grieving children by encouraging them to have conversations with their brother or sister, with their father or grandmother, anyone that they have lost. Children understand this. It's us, the adults, who may find this difficult. I remember one of my clients, a mother of two children who had lost her oldest boy to cancer. I will call the boy Jay. And she was trying to help her other boy after the death of Jay. So she began to hold conversations with Jay while talking her other boy in bed at night. And what she would do is that she would share jokes with Jay. She would tell him about what was happening in her life, about how she was feeling. And at first, her other boy would just be silent. He would just listen to her. But after a while, he also began to share with his deceased brother about his life, his worries, the funny things that happened to him how much he missed him, etc. Well, that mother shared with me that it has been very healing for the both of them because having those conversations at night makes them keep a close connection to Jay. When a grieving person dwells on the past, he or she stays in the past. But there is a different choice. That person can decide to accept the present to realize that the loved one who has died is still quite near. And not only that, that loved one is all about love. And the last thing that your loved one wants is for you to be miserable or to experience suffering day to day. 
You know something, when we die, our body dies. But what about our essence, our soul, our love? Do you think that they die too? Well, I happen to think that they do not. I happen to think that love never dies. And therefore, the love of your child, the love of your loved one remains. Remains. So if you're listening right now, and if you have experienced the loss of a child or the loss of a loved one, know that if you can incorporate, if you can become aware that your loved one is still with you, wanting for you to give yourself permission to be happy, to go on in life, to accept that their body is no longer here, but to connect with the fact that their love will always be here, their love is still surrounding you, then if you do this, you will be taking a giant step towards picking up the pieces after your loss, towards moving through your grief, towards that light that I mentioned at the beginning of this show. So let me ask you something. Are you one of those people who ask yourself, why did this happen? And feel frustrated because you don't have an answer? Well, you're not alone. We all do that, especially if we have lost a child or a loved one. You see, when it comes to losing a child, our children are supposed to outlive us, which is why it's so hard to us when that does not happen. I myself spent a lot of time wondering about the whys in regard to my son Christopher until I realized that I needed to absorb the lessons that experience had left me with. And everything that I learned was invaluable. So I realized I could use it not only to help myself move forward, but also to do this kind of work where I get the opportunity to make a difference in the lives of other bereaved people. So as I focused on doing this, the whys were left behind. When I'm no longer here in this world, I will know the whys. But until then, there's work to be done. There's growth to be achieved. And I have been doing that. So let me point something to you. There's nothing special about me. Let me make it clear that anyone can do what I'm doing. You too can assimilate the lessons that your loss left you with and use them to improve your life and to make a difference in the lives of others. And, you know, there are so many ways in which you can do that. For example, you could decide to write a book like I did. I have a poster hanging in my wall that says, your story, your story matters. Share it with the world. And I firmly believe that even if two people have had the same type of loss or have lost a loved one under the same circumstances, still, because we're so unique, stories, their perspectives will be different and equally valuable. And you know what? They may help different people who will connect with their style of writing or their special take on their circumstances. So this is one way in which you can do that. Another way would be to go back to school to make it possible for you to work with a population that will most benefit from what you learn from your laws. Or you could volunteer in order to have contact with those who need or who will benefit from your personal experiences. You could organize a fundraiser and donate the funds towards a cause that, was, that is connected to the person who died or that is dear to you. And these are just a few examples of what you could do. So keep all of these things in mind. But now I would like to talk a little bit about something that I know 
all people who are bereaved worry about. They worry about the children, you know, the surviving children. And I know firsthand that they are forever in our minds and that at times we're at a loss as to how to help, how to help them. Well, there are bereavement programs that are just for children, and these are very helpful because they divide children according to their age, which allows for them to connect with other children with a similar type of loss. And these make the children feel less alone because imagine them, they have a, a, a loss, you know, that happens, whether it is a brother or sister, whether it is a parent, whether it is a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, someone, you know, in their, in their immediate circle of loved ones have passed away and then they go to school and none of their, their classmates have experienced this loss. They are not feeling the kind of sadness or the kind of uh, sense of worry or they're not having the same questions that they have. So there are bereavement programs, you know, that are for, for these children and there are also bereavement camps. And some of these camps are organized by the hospice programs in the area that, li- that you live in. These are also helpful. But what does a bereaved parent do? What is someone who is bereaved does when a child asks questions that he or she cannot answer? Well, there are books that are written according, that are just specifically written for the age of the children and which address their different levels of understanding. So they can answer many of their questions. So one of the books that I like, the title is, What on Earth Do You Do When Someone Dies? And this is for children between the ages of like three and eight, I would say. The author of that book is Trevor Romaine. Another book for the same age group is called When Dinosaurs Die, A Guide to Understanding Death. And the author of that one is Lori Krasny Brown. I also like The Invisible String by Patrice Karst. These are just a few of the books available to help young children. Now for teenagers, for older children, like 10 and up, there is this book that is called Fire in My Heart, Eyes in My Veins, a journal for teenagers experiencing a loss. And the author of this book is Enid Samuel Traceman. And there's two authors. The other one is Ben S-I-E-F-F. But for anyone who is grieving, not just those who have lost a child, there is also a comforting journal for recording your reflections on your loved one's extraordinary life. Let's say that you have lost a husband or a wife or a mother or father. So you can use this journal and in it you can, you know, write your reflections. You can talk about their unique traits and all the many experiences and traditions that you shared. So it will help you. That journal will help you explore your emotions, say things that were left unsaid, connect with your loved one's spirits, and find healing through writing. And uh, so this one is, is entitled Forever in My Heart, a grief journal. And the, the author of that is Tanya Carol Richardson. So all the information and sharing applies to any surviving children, whether they have lost a brother or sister or a parent, a grandparent, or any other loved one. So what is the most important thing that you can do for your other children? You, if you are a parent, if you are a, 
you know, a grandparent, someone that cares about a child who has lost someone, the number one thing is listen to what they're saying. If they're not talking because children tend to protect their loved ones, then pay close attention to their nonverbal cues and to their behavior. Watch out for acting out behavior in school and don't discount it. And at home too, acting out behavior at home. When children misbehave, there's always a reason. And it's because they're hurting or because they're not getting enough for the attention that they need. But either way, either way, those who love these children need to be attentive and they need to take action. If a child or the children are having trouble in school, it's important to arrange for a meeting with their teacher or to their guidance counselor to explain the situation if you haven't done so already and come up with a plan of action. They can get linked to their guidance counselor or school social worker. They can get involved with the child so that more support can be provided to your child while at school. Or you can search for a grief counselor that specializes on children's grief. And keep in mind that it's important that you interview the counselor to make sure that he or she will be a good match for your child or children. They usually offer a free first consultation. You can ask other bereaved parents for recommendations on grief counselors as well. So if the child or children are acting not their usual at home, for example, they are withdrawn or defiant, and angry, make sure to pull them aside and ask them how they're feeling. Even if they don't answer you because they protect you, give them a big hug. You know, physical touch can communicate so much love. You, words, you don't have to even say anything. Just if you see them withdrawn and sad and down, just go to them and give them a big hug. You know, just rub their backs, rustle their hair. Communicate to them that you love them and that you care. This physical touch is very greatly underrated. I guarantee you that if you hug or cuddle a grieving child, and if your child feels that enough attention is being paid to him or her and feels listened to, some of the behaviors will go away but will lessen. And trust me, I know. I know that it's hard to do this, to be paying attention when you're grieving because you can barely pay attention to yourself, right? But it is so important that you do this for your child or children. It can make a huge difference in how they heal from their grief. There is a ritual tool that a bereaved person can do with the children, and that is to get a helium-filled balloon and have the child or children write a message to the person who has died, tied to the balloon before releasing it, and then just, you know, you can also write a message with a sharpie on the balloon itself. So as the child releases the balloon and watches it go up to the sky, there is a symbolic meaning that the message will reach the person who has died. And that, in that symbolism, there is extreme healing. One of the things that I myself did for Christopher's brother and sister was that soon after his death, I bought two, I bought two cheap small, like four by six albums, mini albums for each of them and filled them with photos of each of them with their brother. And I put those albums on the nightstand by their bed and told them that whenever they felt that they were missing their brother, they could flip through the photos and feel close to him. So you can also do this. 
You could also have each of the siblings pick out a toy, a stuffed animal, a piece of clothing of the brother or sister to keep as their own keepsake. There are companies that will make a pillowcase of stuffed animals or stuffed animals out of clothing of the person who has died. And this is something that you can order if you would like. I also have had several clients tell me that you can register a star with a, with a child's name and you can receive, or with your loved one's name, and you can receive a certificate and information on the coordinates of this star. And this can be very meaningful to the siblings. You know, one of the siblings that I know who lost his older brother when I was working at, the, at hospice, he used to look up at the sky every night and think that the brightest star he saw was his brother. Children in general, and especially younger children, have very vivid imaginations and believe in magic. Sadly, this is something that we lose as we get older. I often think that if we had stayed in touch with the magic that exists in this world, we would suffer less when grieving because there is magic in this world. Haven't you had days when you feel that everything flows beautifully, when unexpected things happen and seemingly coincidental things happen? Well, that is magic at play. It's never too late, in my opinion, to reawaken ourselves to the magic in life. And all we have to do is follow the lead of children because they are our biggest teachers in that department. All you have to do is connect with the look of wonder in their eyes when they watch snowflakes fall or a rainbow appears in the sky or they find a shiny rock or a colorful. I remember clearly a bereaved mother whose daughter was very angry about the loss of her brother. And this bereaved mother would not allow, would not allow, would not allow the daughter to release her anger. She would tell her that it was not okay to feel angry. After we had several meetings together, she was able to realize that her daughter needed to be shown safe outlets for her anger, and she also needed to have her feelings of anger validated. Because, you know, we feel what we feel, and when we suppress our feelings, that is not healthy. So this mother was able to realize this, and she started to take active steps. We made a small square, like a little pouch of cloth, and we filled it with rice, and we gave it to her daughter so that she could punch it whenever she felt angry. And so she was given also much-needed validation about the fact that she had the right to feel angry. And in time, she began to feel less angry as she let her angry feelings out and as she received the validation that she needed from her mother, that it was okay to feel angry. So you can choose healthy or unhealthy ways to deal with the feelings. And as, as parents or our, our adults, our job is to communicate to the children around us a healthy way to deal with their feelings. There is a very helpful web, website that has a lot of helpful information to help uh, anyone who, has, who is around or who cares about grieving children. So you can go to that website, and it is www doggy and that is d-o-u-g-y dot org and you can click on grief resources in this site website there is a story and i don't know if you know of dr elizabeth kubler ross she was a renowned swiss psychiatrist and she was a pioneer in the field of death dying and bereavement and she knew and she took care of a little boy named doggy and that is the name of the website, Doggy, D-O-U-G-Y, Turno, T-U-R-N-O. 
He died at the age of 13 from an inoperable brain tumor. But one day he asked her this question, why do children die? And so Dr. Kubler-Ross sat down and hand wrote an answer to his question in the form of a little book. And she colored it. She actually illustrated and colored it. And it is called The Doggy Letter. And you can purchase it on the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation website. When you go to the store, scroll down all the way to the bottom, and you will find it. It's called The Doggy Letter. It is an absolute beautiful book that explains life and death in a way that is understandable to children. So another thing that is important is to be flexible when it comes to routines, because not only has your world been shattered by your loss, but the world of the children has also been shattered. So if you're a parent who has lost a child, just know that they're going to be more clingy. They may want to sleep with you. And it's important that you allow them to do this, even if you didn't allow this before the loss, because these are different times, right? Nothing is the same anymore. So we need to be more lenient. We need to be comforting towards the other children because they need it badly. You know, death is scary. And who knows what might be swirling inside their minds, especially at nighttime. Trust me, in that time, there will be less, in time, as time goes by, there will be less and less requests to sleep with you, and they will return to their bedrooms. They will. But they need right now this sort of comfort and nurturing and reassurance. So, and I want at this time to remind anyone who is listening that if you have any questions or comments to make, you can call in the show at 646-378-0378, and I will be glad to answer any questions that you may have. So... If you want to get an idea of what your child or a child who is grieving is feeling or thinking about, look at the drawings that they bring from school. You know, in looking back at the drawings my son made during the year following his brother's death, I came across a drawing of a casket in a room and a tornado heading directly towards our house. And, you know, there are also drawings of the family members with his brother up in the sky watching over us. So those are the things that, that had affected him the more. He felt as if, as if a tornado had come and just kind of destroyed our house or was coming towards our house. And, you know, it made an impression of him to see his brother in a casket. And that was probably a traumatic experience for him. Or he remembered him. That's his last memory. And, you know, the way that he imagined his brother was still around him, but up in the sky. So... Make sure also that the, the siblings or the, the children who are grieving, um, they're given an opportunity to, to ask you any question, that you are open to listening to them, voice any concerns that they may have, you know. You, you can open the door. You can talk. You can ask them, you know, and see what they will tell you. You know, it's amazing how much children hate to upset their loved ones. You know, they don't want to make them. That's why they don't usually ask questions. And they keep a lot of their feelings to themselves. They don't want to make anybody around them feel sad or to hurt them in any way. You know, children are so loving. You know, they truly are our teachers of unconditional love. If only we pay attention. You know, I only became aware of that after my son Christopher passed away. And it was an eye-opening realization and one that I will never forget to this day, I continue to learn about love, about unconditional love for my grown children. 
Hasn't your heart been touched by how quickly a child forgave you for something that you did that was hurtful to them? So I have talked a lot today about how to help grieving children while at the same time acknowledging how difficult it is to do so when you are grieving yourself. So I want to make sure that you take care of yourself as well, that you receive the support needed to help you be there for, for, the, for the, those who are grieving. Support groups can be wonderful because you can meet people, you can meet people who have a, a, experienced a similar loss, and that can feel very freeing and healing at the same time. What a relief it can be to not have to walk on eggshells when talking to others or with others who have not walked in your shoes, right? Because you never know when they will make a comment that is not appropriate, appropriate or that will make you feel bad or angry. The Compassionate Friends is a support group that is run entirely by bereaved parents and is a national organization that has helped many bereaved parents. You can find a local chapter by going to their website, www.thecompassionatefriends.org. But if you have lost um, not a child, but you have lost a husband, or you have lost a parent or a sister or brother, there are also hospices which provide bereavement services to the community. There are also many online bereavement groups that can help you feel safe expressing your feelings or grief among those who are also going through the same thing. And you don't even have to leave your home if you do this online. Some people benefit from groups, but others do not, do not do well. So if you benefit more from individual help, then you can go to a grief counselor for individual support, and you will benefit from it. Now, I want you to realize something. Your experience of loss has changed you so profoundly and in so many ways that you feel that there is the potential of helping many others by sharing your experiences and your lessons with others. Isn't this true? Imagine how proud your child or your loved one will feel or will be when you do this. Because your child or your loved one is in a different form. It's in an ethereal form. But that essence is, is kind of in touch with you. There is an invisible string that is a love that you have for each other. And because of that, that essence, you know, that, that love, that ethereal form that is your loved one or your child, just kind of like beams, that light shines brighter when you are doing things that are positive for you. Okay? So when you're able to bring something positive after something, you have found a way to bring something positive after something so very negative has happened in your life, this can be such a healing step. And is that a step that you're willing to take? Of course, there's a question of timing. There is a human timing which varies from person to person because we all grieve in our own special way and therefore we move through our grief at different paces. In my case, it took five years for me to get to the hard space when I could begin to take steps to make a difference in the world with, uh, with what I had learned from my experiences. But there's also divine timing. And the more in touch we become with our intuition, the more attuned we'll be to when the right time is for our endeavors. 
So since I just opened up the subject of intuition, I'd like to start with what the definition of intuition is. So intuition is the ability to understand something immediately without the need for conscious reasoning. So I would like to share that before my loss, I completely disregarded my intuition. Completely. Any gas feelings I had, I disregarded them, and I went with whatever it is that my mind, my rational mind, dictated. And I suffered a lot, and I made lots of mistakes in that way. One of the biggest changes in me as a result of Christopher's death is that a door to the awareness and trust in intuition seemed to open up for me. And I believe that this is true for a lot of people who have lost a loved one. I have spoken with so many people who have lost a child or a loved one are are in tune with the fact that their loved one is leaving them signs and messages that they are around them. And these are people who before the loss would never have believed in such happenings. But after the loss, they recognize that is my loved one that made it happen, that, it, that there would be this song playing. Our song started to play when I was feeling super sad. You know, they, those, that is your intuition at play. That is a person becoming in touch with that, with that intuition, with that gut feeling, and trusting in it. But in order to live from a life where you are intuitively guided, it's necessary that you do a lot of inner work in order to heal all the wounds you have been carrying since your childhood. Like the spiritual teacher Eckhart Tolle says, the pain body is, this is what he says, the pain body is my term for the accumulation of old emotional pain that almost all people carry in their energy field. I see it as, an, as a semi-autonomous psychic entity. These negative emotions leave a residue of emotional pain which is stored in the cells of the body. So for anyone who is grieving, the pain body that they already were carrying from all the accumulation of all emotional pain since they were children goes on overdrive because not only now you have that old emotional pain, but now on top of that, now you have the pain from the grief of losing someone so dear to your heart. So a lot of inner work is necessary to heal. And with healing comes a deeper awareness of intuition. And with a greater attunement to intuition comes the ability to connect with not only your loved one, to receive and recognize the messages, but also to connect with the angels, with God and with the divine. So what do I mean by inner work? A lot of inner work is needed. What I mean is that specific steps need to be taken in order to bring to the surface what those wounds are, one by one. The old emotional pain wounds and the wounds from your, the recent loss that you have experienced. And then they come out to the surface. And then there are certain practices that you can do in order to release that pain. And then there are forgiveness practices towards the personal persons that cause that emotional pains, as well as forgiveness practices to forgive yourself. And after all that is done, the grieving will have removed the mental, all this work will have removed the mental and the emotional clutter that has been blocking you from being able to notice, to be, from being able to benefit from the messages and the guidance from both your loved ones who have passed away, 
and from the angels and God. Does this make sense to you? So with the purpose of helping anyone who is grieving, I created a course, and this course is my VIP course. It's called Heal Your Life with the Vibration of the Angels, and this course starts on March 19th. It's an online course, and I'm so very excited to be offering it because it helps anyone, but especially anyone who's grieving, to go to the root cause of all that all that old emotional pain that I've been carrying, all the negative emotions that you're feeling and that are creating negative experiences in your life that are not allowing you to move forward, to move through your grief, and they're not allowing you to live from an intuitive place. It provides you with specific practices you can do, specific practices that you can do to help you Release those wounds so that you can experience healing and letting go. It provides you with angel-guided visualizations that are created by me in order to bring the pure vibration of the angels into play so that your healing can be exponentially increased and it helps you create a blueprint for your future self, the person that you want to be, feel, and act a year from now. It's a very comprehensive online course that encapsulates all the wisdom I have accumulated, not only from my personal experience of loss, but also from 17 years of experience as a hospice social worker. So if you're interested and would like more information about how to register for this course, feel free to send me an email at selenenegreteauthor at yahoo.com or private message me on Facebook at Spirit Whispers with Selene. And I call this course my VIP course because it includes weekly coaching sessions with me to help you, to support you, and to guide you as you move through the lessons and practices. And also as a bonus, everyone who signs up for it this week will receive their very own deck of angel cards to use during the course and in the future. So since we're getting now close to the end of the show, I would like to review some of the most important points that I have been talking about. So I talked about how when someone has lost a child or a loved one, you know, they feel that you who are listening may feel that it will never be possible to pick up the pieces and move forward in your life. But I'm here to tell you that it is possible to do so, and I'm here to help you do so. So the kind of pain that you're feeling, the kind of uh, sadness that you're feeling comes from a resistance that you're having, a resistance to accepting the reality of what has happened. And until you come to accept that this has happened, that this is not something that you can change, until you come to accept to accept that, you won't be able to move forward. And for as long as you continue to dwell exclusively on the past, then that's what you will be experiencing in your life. So I'm not saying that, that this is moving forward or trying to take steps is something you need to do immediately after the loss. I think it's important to allow yourself to wallow in how you're feeling, to let your emotions, your sadness, to your anger, your 
feelings of unfairness to come out. But after however long you need it to do that, it could be nine months, it could be a year, it could be two years, but you begin to feel that you have let, you know, the vast majority of it out, then, then you're going to feel at some point that it's time for you to, there's something else that you need to do. You know, there's another step for you. Then that is a step when you need to come to the realization that you need to accept that it has happened and, and that the death was not a reversible event, but that it is irreversible and that you need to find a way to move to the tunnel, the dark tunnel of your grief and towards, okay? And the light is the light that awaits you, a very different life from the life that you were living before this loss happened because you are in a different place. You have moved, you have gone on this journey, moving through that deep tunnel of grief. Not only are you in a different place, but also you yourself internally have changed in so many ways, okay? So at that point, you know, you, if you have decided, if you do decide to do this, then there's work that you need to do. It's inner work that you need to do. And as human beings, we have the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual aspect of ourselves that we need to attend to in order to heal. So we need to take care of our bodies and make sure that we get enough rest in order to heal. We need to shine a kind of a little flashlight into our minds so that we can identify the thoughts that give us pain and to consciously choose to replace those painful, those thoughts that give us pain with positive thoughts so that we can help ourselves get out of our worst moments in our grief. So this doesn't mean that we do not feel, you know, our sadness or pain. We feel it, we cry, but then we do something about it by choosing to dwell on a positive memory. So do you see how doing this can be helpful to you from moment to moment? But then comes the emotional, which is linked to the mental. Because when you choose a different thought rather than the one that gave you pain, then you choose a different emotion, emotion, because different thoughts elicit different emotions. And lastly, comes the spiritual aspect. As we know, the loss that we have suffered triggers changes. It may trigger changes in the beliefs that we hold about God, religion, and our spirituality. So we must come to terms with what our new beliefs are, whether we feel closer to the religion that we were raised on in or farther whether we're angry towards God or not, whether we don't believe in anything now. It is necessary that we reach a point of clarity as to where we stand in our beliefs in order to begin to heal and move forward in our lives while we're grieving for our loss. So then after we take the, you know, steps to heal all four aspects of our humanity, we can begin to think about where we want to be, how we want to feel six months or in a year's time. Where do you want to be? Do you want to be in the same house or apartment, or do you want to move? Do you want to be in the same city or not? Do you want to be doing the same job or go to school to apply where you have learned from the loss or quit your job and stay home? How do you want to be feeling six months or a year in a year from now? So there's so many things that you can do, you know, that you, can, you need to kind of like recreate your life because the old life that you had before the loss, Basically, a bomb exploded in the midst of it and destroyed it. So now you need to recreate it from the, you know, from the ground up, okay? So after you do this and get this clarity, one 
I tell you, I share with you one very, very helpful tool that you can do is that you can create a vision board. And then in that vision board, you're going to put all of those things that you want, that new life that you are making, that you are creating, that you're moving towards to look like, to feel like. And then you can, you know, cut up uh, photos and words from different magazines so you can go online and find them and print them, and then you can glue them to a board and look at it. It's not, imp- it's not enough to just make that board, but also you put it in a place where you can look at it every day and just, you know, once or twice a day, like put yourself, imagine yourself living from that place, you know, being in that place, feeling that way, so that, that in that way you can manifest that life. That way of feeling, you can do that. This is a very, very powerful uh, tool, and it's called creating a vision board, and it will be very helpful to someone who is grieving and who is reconstructing their life, okay? So the last thing that I'm going to do is share with you the following. Um, An angel card that I drew from a deck called Crystal Angels, and the card that came through is the the crystal is Kianite. And this crystal brings you the following message to the the angels. Make time for self-care. Taking care of yourself is essential right now. And this is very, very important, especially for anyone who is grieving. It says, this card comes up whenever you have been putting your own needs last on your list. It is a sign of being overly busy and not feeling that you have enough time for rest, exercise, healthful eating, spiritual practice, and other forms of self-care. So this card emphasizes that self-care isn't optional but necessary for your health, happiness, and life purpose. God and your angels want to elevate your life so that you no longer feel oppressed or victimized. The message here is that not only do you deserve self-care, but you must carve out time for it without delay. The urgency comes in answer to your prayers for a better life. God has given you the strength to take the first step yourself by adding self-care to your daily schedule and deleting unwanted tasks. It's time for you to say no to distractions and yes to your priorities, which include self-care. And now a little note about Kianite, this crystal. Um, Although this stone comes in various colors, the name Kianite stems from the Greek word for blue. Kianite is a wonderful bridge stone balancing your energy and your life. And lastly, if anything that I have been saying resonates with you, if you want to connect with me, um, then don't hesitate to send me an email at selenenegreteauthor at yahoo.com or send me a private message on my Facebook page, Spirit Whispers with Selene. I would love to hear from you. And also, if you're interested in purchasing my book, not your usual grief book, How to Heal While Connecting with Your Child Who Died, you can go to my website, which is www.notyourusualgriefbook.com, and you will find the link to purchasing it through Amazon. So I will look forward now to meeting again and talking with you again um, on March 20, Thursday, March 22nd, from 10 to 11 in the morning. And until then... I will be sending love and light your way. Take care.
You've been listening to Blessings with Selena, and this show has been such a gift for so many people that are grieving. If you wish to listen to some of the past shows, you can listen to those at BodyMindSpiritRadio.com. Selena also has her own website that allows you to learn more about her program to help you with grieving, and that is www.notyourusualgriefbook.com. So be sure to visit that. We'd like to thank her for the content today. What an amazing show to re-listen to this show. available on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio as soon as we close this cast, and we look forward to your listening and appreciate you being here today. Thank you. <laughs>